Welcome to episode four of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAct.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I delve into Apple's latest earnings report. We check the weather, help some aliens, explore a lost phone, and craft some potions. How you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. Always a good time to help some aliens craft some potions. Yeah, yes, and check their cell phones. Yeah, and I know that we recorded a couple days after normal, but that's just because we allowed ourselves to hear Apple's earnings report to see. We actually have some Apple news to go over, and Apple announced record earnings for Q1 2017, which is their holiday quarter because their calendar year runs from September to September. So this quarter is September through December and that's right with the iPhone 7 launch. And so Apple posted $78.4 billion in revenue, which is up from the $75.9 billion from 2016 Q1. And then the profit was $17.9 billion, and that's just a tick down that below the $18.4 billion. But actually, earnings per share moved up from 3.28 to 3.36, so they actually set a record for that. So Apple's making a ton of money <laughs> yeah i mean well this is their one big quarter where they shove everything anyways so you kind of expect them to do fairly well although no one knew how well this iphone 7 and iphone 7 plus would even sell because they weren't that much of an upgrade it's the same form factor that we've had for a few years now so it was it was kind of what everyone was kind of left wondering what was going to happen yeah, now we actually have the answer. Again, Apple putting all their eggs in that holiday quarter basket pays off to create these record earnings reports. And then it always makes you wonder, does it allow for the momentum to sustain any kind of earnings throughout Q2, Q3, and Q4? Right. And unless they have new products to be to that they're going to be introducing, I don't foresee an iPad like carrying anything. And people now just bought all these phones. So... Where what do they have left? I mean, they have the AirPods, which are finally now out. I guess maybe we'll see that in this current quarter how that affects sales. But even that's probably not going to be enough to really make a huge splash. So, yeah, the question is, what is these next three quarters going to look like until we hit Q1 of next year once they put everything out there yet again? Yeah, now everyone is, you know built into the formula that we're going to get the new iPhone in the fall. So everyone who hasn't got the iPhone 7 yet by now, now you're that much closer to the iPhone 8 and the super 10th anniversary amazing edition <laughs> that we're going to have that just will blow you away, supposedly. And then... Well, <laughs> that's what kind of concerned me. The fact that this iPhone that really wasn't much of an upgrade did pretty well. I hope that doesn't mean Apple's going to... Well, well eh we don't have to do that much look how well this one's sold i'm really hoping they still step up and we get what we hope we're gonna get for this massive 10-year anniversary phone oh there's gonna be a special phone it's just gonna have a nice special price on it oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah uh, true that's true and so also the macbooks are you know new macbooks are gonna be allegedly updated in the fall and then the ipad could have possibly been updated in the spring but now it looks like 
the new versions of iPad Pros in both screen sizes are going to be put off to the fall. And Apple Watch, I think, kind of the same idea. I I don't know what they're going to sell in Q2, Q3, and Q4, but I guess they hope that all the existing MacBook Pros and iPhones and iPads are going to be sold. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and speaking of like iPads and and Macs, I mean, the iPad sales those were up from last quarter, but still they were down from a year ago, big time. So like almost I think twenty two percent. So we're seeing this huge decline in iPad sales. This was supposed to be these iPad Pros, both the twelve point nine inch and the nine point seven inch. They tried to sell that thing about a year ago, I believe it was, when they tried to say, well, people are going to go for these and they're so powerful and they'll be kind of a laptop replacement. And obviously that didn't really happen because the Mac sales went up and the iPad sales went down. So I don't know if there's they have this message, but no one bought into it. Yeah, in terms of specific numbers, the iPad is down from 16.1 million to 13.1 million. So exactly 3 million less iPads were sold in this past quarter compared to the 2016 quarter, or really 2015 quarter. And then right. the Mac barely jumped up from 5.3 to 5.4, but it's still an increase. And I think it comes back to the main thing. You can call the iPad whatever you'd like, but until it runs a distinct iPad OS... It's there's too many extra steps for computer tasks that are easier to do on a MacBook or a Windows machine. Right. Yeah. Like I used to always bring my iPad whenever we travel, and it took me probably four to five times longer to do just a simple thing. If I'm not doing like just email, like if I'm editing my website and I'm trying to use WordPress on a MacBook uh, on an iPad, it took probably five times as long to do anything that I could have just whipped out either a PC or a MacBook and done it in like two seconds. And it just took forever on an iPad. So you're never going to get to that point with the words going to completely replace a laptop. There's certain things that just are much easier to do on a laptop. And if you don't want to spend all that extra time, yes, the convenience of carrying an iPad is there, but it's not as convenient when it takes you a heck of a lot longer to do just basic tasks. And then in terms of the iPhones, they actually, Apple set a record. So the iPhone 7 is the best-selling iPhone of all time. At least in the opening quarter, it sold 78.3 million units. I mean, that's all the iPhones Apple sells. It's not broken down by number. But compared to last year with the launch of the iPhone 6S, it was 74.8 million. So the iPhone generates 69% of Apple's earnings. I mean, essentially, they're an iPhone company. We've known this for quite a while, but it just <laughs> yeah. seems to solidify each and every new quarter. Right, right. Yeah, and... and uh unless they come up with some other device that is going to eat into that that marketplace then yeah the iPhone's really going to be their king product unless they have something else that kind of monopolizes part of that but they have no interest in doing that and that's why it sounds like we're not even going to have any more iPad minis because people were buying large phones instead of the minis so it's always seems to trend back to the phones and you have these other products that maybe take away for a short period of time, but then people kind of just gravitate back to using their phones for things. And then the iPads, they're not bad. You know, the iPad Air 2 
is a perfectly fine iPad. You know, it's not like, oh my God, I need the new ones. Even the regular iPad Air, it's been however many years that it's been out now, and it's still fine as an iPad. It's not like anything you're going to throw at it. Oh, your iPad sucks. It can't do anything. Right. Yeah, they still work very well. I mean, there's certain things that might be a little sluggish, and I, I don't remember. Well, actually, they all can run uh, iOS 10, so they have the they can do the 64-bit. So we're not going to have the problems uh, with apps if they do decide to no longer support 32-bit apps that they're going to uh, not work anymore. Right. Right. I believe that's right. Yep. Yeah, like even just looking at the difference between the iPad Air 2 and the iPad Pro, it's tough to, I mean, there's the statement of A9 versus A9 chip, I mean A10 chip, but that's not super obvious. And then right. beyond and that, the, I don't even know what else is different other than iPad pencil well, support. They have that true tone screen thing, which I can tell you, I don't even notice a difference. I don't know what I'm supposed to be seeing. It looks, both screens look really good to me. Yeah. So that's pretty much Apple's earnings report. They did say that for Q2 of 2017, they're going to expect between 51.5 and 53. And a half, yep. Yeah, 53.5 billion. And that's pretty much right on what they did last year. Though it, this is the quarter that broke that string of consecutive declining earnings reports that they had. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this one actually posted a gain so that's definitely good if you're looking if you work for apple if you have apple stock but beyond that i don't know how much it matters yeah I, yeah I, just, I don't know where the money's going to come from unless the airpods really bring in some well, big numbers i mean you, a lot of them aren't shipping until march you know true. yeah yeah oh true yeah <laughs> and so that so kind of messes things up yeah one so funny I mean, piece I, yeah one funny piece is that yeah, Apple now has two hundred forty-six point one billion in cash and marketable securities. I love that number. I just—it's hilarious <laughs> whenever you see that they have almost two hundred fifty billion, <laughs> just ready yeah, to do something with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why Tim Cook said we acquire about fifteen to twenty companies per year, and the size doesn't really come into the equation. Yeah, we could just go buy whatever if we wanted to. <laughs> yeah. And so that's pretty much the Apple news for this week, and that lets us transition over to some apps. And there's some interesting ones this week. The first one is a new weather app, and I know how many weather apps could you possibly have on your phone, but that doesn't stop developers from making new ones. This one's called Fire Plus Rain with the plus sign in the title. And it's a free download that is all about that super minimalistic design. I mean, this is one of the most minimalistic weather apps I've come across where you essentially are just given the kind of color scheme that's connected to the it's like a heat map style temperature to color so if it's you know warm out it's going to be orange if it's colder it goes to more of a purple and then as it proceeds to night those colors darken and dim and then you can set up your view based on hourly view 36 hour three-day view or a 14-day view and then you simply swipe up and down to transition between the times, so you can see how it's going to look tonight and then what it's going to be like tomorrow morning and then tomorrow afternoon so you can kind of prep your day that way and then you can do that same kind of swipe gesture to look out to the 14-day forecast yeah it's at first it wasn't even that obvious that you could do more than like the 48 hour uh and you do like a it's all like touch and swipe based 
for for the app. You kind of just have the information there sitting on the screen and you scroll your finger up and down to kind of move through the timeline to see what's coming up and then you can go back to the current time. But this thing seems to be dead on accurate. Like here in Massachusetts right now, it's snowing out. And this afternoon I loaded this thing up and it told me pretty much like dead on accurate when the snow was going to start all of a sudden it hit the time and then I start seeing flakes outside. So it, I don't know. They're, they're using the weather from, uh, I forget where it comes from. It's, it's one I hadn't heard of and it, but it just seems to be really, it's called the weather network. And it seems to be really accurate as far as predicting exactly when things are going to happen. And it even gives you for like snow, it tells you the amount of snow you're going to see in this time frame. And so it's, it's really nice and simple to use. And like of all things you want a weather app to be is accurate. And it seems to be that as well. Yeah, if you need like the Doppler radar and, you know, dew point and all this like advanced kind of data, there's other apps out there. But if you just kind of want to see what the weather is now, what it's going to be over the next few hours or days, this is a really quick and easy way. Like you can get a lot of information in terms of planning around the weather in just a few seconds from what the app offers. And like you said, it's all touch based. So you double tap to switch between the 14 day 36 hours and hourly view, and then you just swipe up and down to move between the times. Yep. And so that's Fire Plus Rain. If you do need a new weather app or are always interested in new ones, it's a new choice. It's free, and I'm not sure if it's for the iPad. Uh, I, I think it's iPhone only, I believe, but I'm sure you could load it up on an iPad. Yeah. It just so, would be stretched. Yep. That means it's time for some new games, and... There's a, uh, you know, it's always weird at the start of the year because, you know, it's not like everybody's pushing for that December release or even like specific holiday releases. So there's not like that big heavy onslaught. And there's also not the ones where you're kind of expecting, like you see them at a different trade show or whatever, like, oh, this is going to be coming over the next couple of months. These are relatively unique titles that you haven't heard about. And the first one is Splitter Critters, which is a interesting take on a puzzle game as you can use the like swipe style of Fruit Ninja or any kind of sliding base mechanic and you're essentially going to cut the frame or the picture of where the little aliens are in half and then you can drag the new section that you've just created so you split the screen in half so now you can grab one of the halves and then slide it so instead of these platforms having a gap you can slide them so now it's a straight line so the little creatures can walk across and get to their ship and then as you go you're going to have new alien types as well as new obstacles and enemies and then you're going to have to deal with different kind of slices in terms of angles as well as creating multiple slices as i was playing it it reminded me of framed but you yes. know in a more direct, like, Framed gives you the pieces to move around. This one lets you dictate what pieces you're going to create as you cut up the scene to rearrange it for the proper path forward. Right. In Framed, there's pretty much a one solution for any given puzzle, where this one, depending on what, how you slice it, 
you could come up with your own solution to this. And it may not be the same. Like you and I might have done completely different things, but somehow we solved the puzzle. And the cool thing is while you're moving that piece that you just sliced, the action is still going on. So the alien is still moving. Traps or whatever happens to be moving in the, the scene is still moving. And you don't have to let go of the piece as you're moving it. So you can hold that piece and because all the action is still going, you can have the little critter walk across and then quickly undo the move. So now he's on the piece but safe. And so undo is not just a you made a mistake, you got to undo a piece in this game. It's actually a huge part of the strategy of solving these things because what you can do is you can do up to four different slices. So once you do one, you can slide it and then lock it into place. Then you can do another slice and it can be vertically, horizontally, diagonally, however you want to slice it. And then you can move one of those pieces and you're just constantly moving things around. But once you hit four slices, you can't do anything else. So now you have to undo it and it goes in reverse order. So there might be, you might want to undo like the second slice you did, but you have to undo, undo the third one you did first. And so sometimes you really have to like quick that un, hit that undo button really quickly. Otherwise, your critter is going to walk into a laser beam or something. And so you have to be almost like have good reflexes as well just to try to quickly move things back to save the guy while you're thinking about what to do your next move. So it's a really interesting puzzle game because you not only have this really unique mechanic but then it's also just because it takes into like you have to think ahead but then you also have to react and there's a lot of things going on all at once and then that undo it allows you know the entire kind of progression to be non-destructive so that way you can kind of change things up instead of oh i made a mistake i got to restart the whole level you know i just made a mistake my critters have already crawled you know halfway towards the end goal so now i can just go back one thing and make up a mistake so that's a nice way to kind of have that fluid experience and then as you do that cut the screen there's like a little paper effect so you get to see kind of like you're tearing pieces together and reassembling like you would have a newspaper or something and you like a picture that you tear together and then rearrange it to the proper things and then those critters are constantly moving so you do need to be quick in case like you said you're going to come to the lasers or there's an ocean or some kind of obstacles those critters you know they're like lemmings they're just going to keep heading forward so you need to make <laughs> sure that you have the path set out for them Yes, you'll be cursing at them sometimes. You'll be like, I'm trying to save you. Just stop. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I love that whole that visual effect of the ripped paper. And then sometimes if you try to rip things and put them next to each other, because of that seam where the rip was, the critter may not be able to cross over that. So you have to undo it and then get a cleaner, smoother rip that you lined up so that now you can walk through. And I just love it. So the whole thing is separated like into these different worlds. And with each new world that you go to, there's new elements that now you have to deal with. So like at the beginning, you might be just dealing with some water. And then the next one, you'll have platforms that flip or rotate. And then another one, there's you have to deal with lasers. You have to line up the lasers without hitting the, the guys walking around. But then they have to hit certain targets to power up the the signal to call down your ship so that you can save your 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 people so there's 
all it, it like keeps on getting more and more complex as you go and you want to finish one level grouping to go see what new thing they're going to introduce in the next one i just i it's just a really unique and fun idea and combined with all the visual effects that they have it's just a, a fantastic app yeah it's just a really endearing kind of creation it's a game that instantly stands out as soon as you download it and then as you're playing through it you just want to keep coming back because they've done such a great job. This is a game that, you know, you actually remember. There's a lot of iOS games. You download them, you play them, and then they're deleted. This is a game you'll remember long after you play. And it's kind of that puzzle standout, kind of like where you have a Monument Valley or Threes or Framed. Just a game that you'll remember a couple years down the road because it has a unique mechanic that stood out. And then just the quality and design makes you care about the overall experience. Yep, I totally agree. And so that's Splitter Critters. It's two ninety nine. It's universal, and also it did come out of nowhere. I, you know, it's not like you know, oh, I'm waiting for this game to come out. It's oh funny yeah, like yeah. That. Well, it's actually by the people that did Dark Echo, which was that really cool game where you were trying not to make too much noise, otherwise things would kind of uh, yeah, you use come uh, after you. sound waves to kind of reveal the environment to reveal the, the thing around you so these guys are, are used to making innovative games and I, I like it's early to say like best of the year type things but these are the type of experiences i look for when i start at the end of the year start going back and oh what was that memorable game where they had the ripping design like that thing was great and so though these are the type of things that stick with you throughout the year that you tend to remember at the end of the year for when it comes time to pick what were like these innovative and fun experiences you had on iOS. Yep. So Splitter Critters 299 Universal. Up next is Alien Path, which is a puzzle game, but with the puzzle genre, there's so many ways to slice it up. It's a completely different experience. And this one focuses on that send your character until they hit something solid and stop. And now they've built it into kind of this attack based really unique challenge in that you have this little alien and there's these little robot enemies who have invaded your planet and your goal is to get rid of them and so you're going to slide your alien so it smashes into the robot to damage them if you you know beat enough of their hp you're going to completely clear them off the board and then the board is filled with all these different variations like there's arrows which your character will hit and then proceed in the direction of the arrow so you could line up a move where you swipe left it hits an arrow that sends it upwards and then there's an arrow up there that sends it back right and then you're sent back down to smash into the alien and then each time you hit an arrow an arrow you pick up attack power and then there's also these little green pods that do a distance attack and you can also pick up hp and then there's energy replenishments and it's just a really neat kind of puzzle idea so every single move you have that focused attack idea, and then you look on the board for the best possible route to build up the most attack power before you smash into an enemy. Yeah, it feels almost like they've taken an arcade type of game, slowed it down, and given you more of a strategic gameplay by allowing you to really plan out these awesome combos. Because what will happen is if you have enough attack power when you hit one of these robots, you'll fly right through them and continue on the path you were going. So you can end up hitting multiple of these robots all in one and then build up combos. And then there'll be different waves of these enemies that will then repopulate the screen 
and you do it all over again until eventually you come to a level that has a massive boss battle where you have a much tougher enemy. And all, along the way, what you'll do is you'll start to upgrade your alien, and then you'll also pick up these cards, which you can deploy onto your character and they give them buffs of like additional power or they increase the strength of those little green pods that do the ranged attacks. So there's all these other elements that you can dig into as you start to progress through the game. But just that basic gameplay where you have that strategic element where you're lining up those arrows and deciding exactly how you want to bump. Sometimes you can't line them up. The arrows just don't line up in a way that you can utilize them so now you kind of plan ahead there'll be walls that you can bounce off of so there's all kinds of different elements that if you really want to dig into the strategy of the game you can really plan ahead and figure out exactly how you want to go after these guys or you can just do it brute force and just keep on attacking and picking up health to stay alive and and do it that way so it's open to any type of player that wants to go after it just how do you want to approach the gameplay yeah, I really like any of the kind of games that lets you plan your path and then they've executed it in a way so that you care about your path because you have a direct enemy to attack. So you always have kind of something to shoot for, but then you want to kind of not necessarily stylize it, but it's, it seems to me much better than just, you know, swiping in a straight line to attack an enemy than to go and pick up like three arrows and then hit two enemies along the way and then hit some pods as well, especially when you're going against the bigger bosses and you need to build up as much attack power as you possibly can. And then, like you said, they have all those unlockable cards and the game's free to play. And honestly, I didn't even pick up on the IEP. I kept, you know, kind of expecting some, you know, system. I'm sure it has to do with upgrading the cards, but you can fully enjoy the game without dealing with any in-app purchases. Yeah, I think the in-app purchases are around like the coins and the little shard type things you can use to upgrade uh, your cards and and do that. So, yeah, I didn't pay for anything. I just started playing through it. The one thing I will say is never did I ever feel like I thought my alien was going to die in any of these battles. It felt like you had plenty of health right from the start. I mean, I progressed through, I think, six upgrades or so, like leveled up to level six uh, that's another area where they probably could uh probably do try to get you with uh in-app purchases because there is an energy meter and but every time you level up it refuels itself so i think at some point once you use up that energy so the boss battles cost two and the normal battles cost one and i think you start out with four and i'm up to like i think five or six now at my current level but i i could see you blowing through that stamina pretty quickly if you sit there and play a lot of it all in one go so that's one area where maybe there's in-app purchases to to refuel that but again i played for probably a good hour straight and didn't have any problems never had to stop or or do anything where i had to pay to upgrade yeah i saw the energy meter but then i it never seemed to actually deplete so i kind of ignored it but, you know, uh, yeah, well, every time you level up, it refills and gets yeah. bigger. So, so yeah, you have plenty. Yeah, I think the problem... So I kind of viewed the game as like a, you know, three-star combo score maximizer game. There's no three-star system, but that's how I did it. So you went to combo, yeah, hit multiple okay. enemies, and hit multiple things. I, 
I understand what you're saying about the danger thing. I think it's because your HP is so high. I mean, you start out at 600 HP, and these guys hitting you take out like 20. So yes. <laughs> th- there's very little challenge in that regard. Well, and then there's also a whole ton of these 25 HP things pick you can pick yeah. up along the way. So, yeah. yeah I I'm think sure the, it must get difficult the, as you progress through. Yeah, the other focus, I think, is just like the puzzle challenge rather than survival kind of battle system. Yeah, yeah, I viewed it more as trying to pull off the best combos I could every every move that I took. Yeah, because you do have limited number of moves as well, so that's another kind of objective to focus on. Yep. And so that's Alien Path. It's free. It's universal, and that's another just you know really well made puzzle game that makes. I mean, it's not one hundred percent unique, but it's unique enough that it definitely stands out in the puzzle genre and then up next is a normal lost phone which is one of these kind of mystery games where there was a game that released at the end of 2016 called replica where you're given a phone and that one you were supposed to kind of brute force hack into it for the government to find out information this is a more not as kind of uh government oversight feel it's more like you found a phone and you're trying to find out about the owner of the phone and how it came to be lost and kind of just their backstory because there's a lot of little details about their life you can access their messages to see how they related to friends and their family as well as emails their dating app and you have all these little pieces to pick up on and then you might find some information like in an email about the Wi-Fi password, and then it connects to the city they're in, so you got to check the weather app, and then you see they have a thing for numbers and dates, so you have to check their calendar that ties into passwords, and all these things connect just by accessing the apps on this fictional phone. Yeah, it's. I don't want to reveal anything because part of the whole thing is just going through the story and figure out who this person is. And but you, it's a really intimate story, and it's uh, it touches on a lot of various topics. I mean, there's it, there's sad parts, there's happy parts, and so it's a really interesting story, and it definitely feels very authentic and well written as you're going through all these messages and reading through them. You really kind of get engaged and want to know more about this person and and figure out what's going on and why they disappeared on like their 18th birthday and where they are or what happened or what caused this this disappearance and so you really start to get engaged in the story and want to find out more and while the, there i would say i only got stuck in one spot in the in the game it still is a means for driving the story forward of you delving into this information and and figuring things out to get those passwords or to unlock this another app or figure out what you need to do to to drive the story forward until its eventual conclusion and you find out what happened yeah rather than just reading a book it becomes interactive fiction through the form of the phone that we're all familiar with and we know how much of our own personal information if someone had access to our phone how much you could you know kind of glean about you from various apps that are there and so now you're doing it looking at someone else's perspective and so the developers had to create it all you know they include photos in the photos app you can find a photo from a friend's email downloaded and then it relates to something else and you see how all these things are connected and like you said you actually care 
about finding more information. It's not like a pure like challenging puzzle adventure type of game. It's just subtle puddle, puzzle experiences to kind of help you want to get through, but not like just, oh, I'm reading through all the text. I found out what happened. I know everything about the lost right, phone. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's another one of these where I was playing on my phone, and instinctively, because it's this phone interface, yes, it doesn't look exactly like an iPhone, but I hit the home button on my phone numerous times during playing this thing. I had to go back into the app because you want to go back to the home screen, and just instinctively, you press the home button on your own phone because it's this phone interface. So I love when they do that, where they really kind of have done enough a, a nice enough job where it feels like the interface is an actual phone that it pulls you into it that much that you just kind of separate yourself from the fact that this is an app and it's not your actual phone that you're interacting with technically it is but it isn't yeah i know exactly what you mean <laughs> one thing i just wanted to compare it to replica because it's a similar idea and they're only like a couple months apart in the release Replica has more kind of focused objectives like go unlock the Twitter app. You know, you have like a distinct do this at this portion of the game to proceed through the storyline. This is a little more open world. You kind of explore through the apps and kind of figure your way forward. Did you finish all of Replica? I did not finish Replica. I, I need to go back to it. I never yeah. did. This I finished. This I completed the whole How thing. long do you it, think it took you to complete this one? This one, it didn't take me that long at all. It was probably, I read through, I would say, every bit of text in there. I probably took me an hour and a half, maybe a little more, I would say. Yeah, I think Replica took me only about 45 minutes to an hour. I haven't fully finished this one yet, but... So it's a little bit longer, but both of these games, it's not like some 10-hour, you know, text-based adventure storybook. It's... You know, a focused kind of interactive fiction experience for the two dollar or three dollar price. In this case, it's two ninety nine and it's universal. Right. Yep. And so that's a normal lost phone. And then finally, one last thing: we we have another digital board game app. So yes, uh, <laughs> this one is Asmodee Digital has released a digital adaptation of Potion Explosion, which is kind of like a set collection game. Where in the physical board game, what it is is there's this giant hopper in the middle, and you are playing as uh, magical school students where you're learning how to craft potions. And what you do is on your turn, you are taking an ingredient from this giant uh, hopper full of in potion ingredients, and you have two empty potions in front of you, which takes some mixture of these four different ingredients. And you're trying to basically collect the ingredients you need to craft these potions, which can then, each of these potions has a special ability that you can trigger to then either get you more ingredients, kind of manipulate the the ingredients that are in this hopper, or uh, just help you earn victory points by either collecting five different potion types, and there's six total, six different types total, or three of a single kind of potion type. So the way you, you kind of interact with this giant 
ingredient board is it's kind of set up almost like Bejeweled. So there's like these columns of marbles eat of these four different colors based on the the different types of ingredients. And what you can do is on the basic move on your turn is you can take one of these marbles out of the hopper from anywhere in the hopper. And like in Bejeweled or any of these like match three style games, now they fall down to fill the space. Well, when those fall down, if two marbles of like colors slam into one another, then it causes this chain reaction, and now you get any of those touching marbles that are the same color are now ingredients you get. And then that could cause yet another, when those get pulled out, that could cause yet another one to come off the board. So if you plan it correctly, you can end up getting tons of ingredients into your pool that you can now use to fulfill these various potions you have in front of you. And the most you can make in a single turn are two potions. But once you make one, like I said before, you get this special ability that you can trigger at any time. You can trigger it before you you pull your one marble, you can trigger it after you do that to kind of hopefully maybe fill your second potion up. But you can now, it allows you to end up manipulating the board. So say there's a marble that's going to be in your way of making a, a huge chain reaction. You could use uh, one of your potions to pull out a marble, and now that one's out of the way. It doesn't cause a chain reaction, but you have that ingredient, and now when you go to do your, your normal move, all of a sudden now you can pull it out and you get this explosion of ingredients that now you can use to make potions. So it's this whole really... Uh, strategic gameplay where you're kind of planning out what you want to do. You're either manipulating the board to help yourself, or maybe at the end of your turn, you change things up to block your opponents from getting the ingredient colors that they need to fulfill their potion. So you might mess up the possibility of them being able to do a, a simple chain reaction and grabbing a whole bunch of maybe they need red, and there's four reds together. So you kind of mess that up so they won't get all those reds. So there's a lot of take that in like stopping your opponents while at the same time trying to figure out what you're going to earn. And those different potions that you're crafting are worth a variable amount of points. So they'll say a little amount of points on them. And those points go directly toward the end game where you have your total number of victory points that you can earn. And then basically you keep on playing and each time a player either gets those five different uh, potion types or three of a kind, they earn one of these skill tokens, and there's only a certain number of those. Once all those are gone, that triggers the end game, and then at, once all players have an even number of turns, then the points are added up, and whoever has the most points, those are worth, those skill tokens are worth four points at the end, uh, then you have your winner. Yeah, it was, I knew as soon as I saw Potion Explosion that Oh, Brett's going to want to play this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't even ask. You said, oh, I know you're going to want to talk about Potion Explosion. And so, yeah, no, this one I've been waiting for because this was originally supposed to come out last year. I think it was in like November or December time frame. And it was one of the ones that was delayed until this year. Same with Mysterium, which they released a couple of weeks back. And so this one, I actually, this one, I love, I was in the beta for it and I loved it even more than Mysterium because I think this one more than Mysterium is much more approachable by anyone. You don't have that cooperative play. I think it's a lot easier for anyone to understand, uh, 
the other one, the Mysterium had that whole ghost role, which I think is a little tough for some people to to grasp and feel comfortable doing. Where this one, anyone can can play this game. Like it is super simple to learn, and you can just quickly pick it up and play. And the the app itself has a, a spectacular tutorial that is all interactive and teaches you exactly how to play. The rule book is in with pictures right within the app there's uh an option to play against two different levels of ai or you can play online as well and online play the only part they they need to fix on the online play is it doesn't alert you when it's your turn which i i i don't know why it doesn't but you really need to get those alerts so that you know when to go back into the app to to make your to take your turn so i was you know i haven't gotten around to playing the game but you know, at first glance, it's like, okay, this looks like a match three game. And then I didn't understand how that becomes a board game. So at least I have that kind of understanding <laughs> now of how it transitions where you're making matches to then create the potions and you have specific, you know, ultimate potions that you need to make and that's going to score the points and that's what you're competing with. And then when you have that turn-based setup, you, you know, essentially get to try to work, match certain things to maybe hamper your opponent's matches as well right and then one of the ingredients one of the potions what you can actually do is so what you have is while you're making your potions you have your all of your beakers over on the right which have all the stuff you collected this turn you can transfer three of those ingredients over to these little private beakers over the side which carry over from turn to turn so if you don't use everything you collected out of that main hopper you can save up to three ingredients to may, maybe use on your next turn one of the potions allows you to steal those three ingredients if someone has them out from another player so someone may be saving up stuff ready to go on their next turn and then all of a sudden you've on your turn stolen their ingredients away from them and maybe even finished a potion with them and so there's a lot of uh take that in in that aspect where you're you can end up like really kicking uh, like basically destroying your your opponent's plans because you took everything from them that they had been relying on and now they have to figure something else out you do always have a last resort where you can give up two of your victory points uh to get to just take a any one that you want out of the hopper but it won't cause a chain reaction when you pull it out and you can only do that once per turn but you immediately lose two points so you kind of want to use that sparingly because those two points could easily mean the the difference between winning and losing i've most of my games are within a couple of points from one another i still have not beat the difficult ai he is like a tough player i i thought i was going to beat him tonight and then all of a sudden like on his last move he finished a potion and got a whole bunch of extra points so uh, it's definitely good to have a, a, a well done ai and the easy ai is fairly easy to beat but that difficult ai is actually really well programmed which is not always the case in these digital board game apps sometimes even the difficult ai is easy to beat but i at least in my experience it has not been in this game sounds good so that's potion explosions 499 it's universal and i think that's everything for episode four Yep, that's all I got. Brett, thanks for joining me. And to everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed. And we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.